edition of Polish Extra Podcast on this Saturday evening, December 5th, after Purdue's loss to Nebraska, 37-27 at Ross-Aid Stadium. And if you caught the preview podcast posted on Friday, toward the end, um, I said... The worst thing that can happen is that Purdue gets blown out. Now, I know what the final score says, 37-27. I know that Purdue got within a touchdown early in the fourth quarter on the 89-yard leap by David Bell. But if you watch the game, this was a 17-point game because that was the margin for most of the time, even though Nebraska did get it up to 21. But this was a double-digit game for a majority of the time. And it was that way from the very beginning. So, to me, this was the worst scenario that could happen for this team and this program was to really just get there, to get beat and get beat badly uh, by a team that had one win coming in. Now, you know, I think Nebraska... Uh, has shown this year that that it's a little bit better than its record. But the point is that you're in the first weekend of December. Neither team had anything to play for from a championship-type situation. And this was going to be a game that was determined and decided by more of who wants it more, who's ready to play, who's ready to get after it, who's ready to play disciplined football, who's ready to execute. And, I mean, there's no question Nebraska was that team. And to me, this was the worst situation that could happen for Purdue because now there there have been questions swirling around the program you know, with the opt-outs, although all those guys are backups, um, and it and it is a con- it is a concern. But now more questions are just going to swirl and swirl and swirl about where this program is at, where is it going, and how does it get back on track, and. You know, it, I, you know, I, if you get beat by a field goal at the end or something like that, it doesn't change really a lot of the questions. But when you get beat the way that Purdue got beat today, and it's not as much the final margin is it's it's how they got beat a block punt on the eighth play of the game, um, an offense that can't get one yard on three straight plays after gaining nine to make it second and one late in the first half when you desperately need a touchdown to get back in the game. And then the defense was just, you know, the same old problems on third down. Uh, Can't get off the field. Uh, Can't put pressure on the quarterback. Um, Can't force a turnover. Um, You know, the list just goes on and on. Uh, So... It's not as much as they lost by 10, but the problems that came up during the game, 
again. I don't, you know, more special team problems. Um, an offense that just really sputtered. An offensive line that got whipped several times. Not every, not every time led to a sack, but it led to pressure and it led to um, Plummer having to scramble. And even Jeff Brom considering a quarterback change midway through the first quarter. Not as much related to Plummer's play, but just Plummer just could not escape the pressure that was going on. And putting in Austin Burton, who has whose strength is his legs, uh, you know, he was just looking to change something up to give Purdue a chance. But you know, this was a you know this 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 is a this is a bad loss in a in a really uh, in a in a season that has really taken a downward spiral spiral quickly. And you know, got to remember this team was two and zero. And you know, when you win, it, it does mask certain things. Uh, and losing brings those things out even more. But today reaffirmed that. There's nothing going to change for for how this team plays over the next week if they, you know, assuming they play Indiana, which I think they will, but then if there's a crossover game. And if you're a Purdue fan, which you're listening to this, so I assume you are, you got to hope that the Big Ten just does away with all those crossover games, plays the Big Ten championship game, and calls it a day. They probably won't because they need the TV inventory money. But um, I, I think the worst thing for Purdue is to play in that crossover game. You know, the, the chances of them beating Indiana uh, are not great. Uh, now, Indiana goes out and beats Wisconsin again, and they just have strung together uh, numerous impressive wins against big-name programs this year. Now, some of those big-name programs are not playing at a, at a high level. But still, for Indiana to do that, hats off to them. Kudos to them. They're having a great year. They're going to want to finish it off the right way uh, next week against uh, uh, Purdue. And, you know, secretly root for Ohio State not to play a game so they can uh, go to the Big Ten title game. But I got to figure the Big Ten is going to figure out a way to get Ohio State to play a game next week and get them to the Big Ten title game either by changing the rules or if their game is canceled then getting them another game but back to Purdue this was this wasn't a game where Purdue had two or three turnovers or anything like that I guess you can call the block punt a turnover but technically it's not but this was a game where they didn't turn the ball over a lot and stumble on themselves from that standpoint this was a game that showed a lack of discipline, 11 penalties, 126 yards. Um, it showed that whatever they've been doing to try to fix the problems aren't being fixed because they're the same problems that they've been. And the penalties usually come back to what the coaching staff will allow. If you're allowed to to do those penalties, and not all the penalties would fit in this category, but if the dumb penalties, and Diedrich Mackey's penalty in the fourth quarter was a dumb penalty. 
you had Nebraska at second and 21, and he uh, Adrian Martinez overthrows his receiver on the far sideline or on the Nebraska sideline, and when the receiver comes down, Mac- Mackey just pushes him out of bounds. That's a flag. I mean, that's just a flag. I mean, the officials are already on high alert because of a a, a mini skirmish that took place a little bit earlier. So you have to understand the situation. But it's also, what has Diedrich Mackey, what have some of these players been allowed to get away with, either in practice or in games, that doesn't affect their playing time? And that's where it is a reflection on the coaching staff having discipline. I will say this. When Sam Garvin got called for a hold that I believe wiped out a 25-yard or thereabouts screen pass to Xander Horvath that would have taken the ball to the five-yard line or so, I believe Dale Williams took him out of the game and put moved Gus Hartwig the center and and Garvin was visibly upset on the sideline he was visibly upset on the sideline stating his case that maybe it wasn't a hold it wasn't it wasn't a penalty Um, but I just from my vantage point what I what I saw was Garvin pleading his case to Dale Williams it's like you know I, I can only imagine saying I didn't do it I didn't do it and at one point Sam Garvin was still standing behind Dale Williams and Williams put his hand out to the side to say, okay, that's enough. I've heard enough. So there is a situation where you commit a foul, you commit a big foul, and then you're taken out of the game. And that's the only way I think, and I'm old school, I'm an old guy, get off my lawn, that that a that is a teaching moment and you know I think coaches today are afraid to to do things like that obviously Dell Williams wasn't but I think coaches are afraid to do that because they feel like they'll lose the lose the player and then they'll transfer or whatever I, I don't buy that but I do think during the course of Jeff Brom's tenure players have been allowed to, I, I don't, I don't want to say get away with things, but there hasn't been a punishment for really screwing up on the field. Now, you know, Purdue doesn't have a deep secondary, doesn't have deep at cornerback. But you know, one of their cornerbacks, DJ Johnson, opted out. Um, so Diedrich Mackey just, you know. But the more you do that, the more they just think they're going to play because there's nobody else or um, that, that's just the best you got. And, again, it, you know, who knows what prompted Mackey to do what he did. But to me, it's, a, um, it's an underlying issue in this program where accountability... I don't believe is very high when it comes to certain things. And a lot of it depends who you are and what you do um, and how well you play. But I, I do think, I, I don't think accountability is really high in this program.
and that leads to things like this. And now, Purdue hasn't had a major problem with penalties most of the year, so it's not a game-by-game type of thing. Um, but when it, it it got it got rolling today, and Purdue could not stop itself from committing penalties. Now, whether they're penalty, you know, as they go back and watch the film, that's not a hold, that's not a hold, that's not a whatever, or the officials missed this pass interference, and they did. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all, it's all different. But, you know, when they, they throw a flag, they throw it for a reason. You know, they see something. And then I think Demarcus Mitchell got an unsportsmanlike penalty after Antonio Stevens uh, suffered a, a really bad lower leg injury. Uh whether he was taunting what he was saying and and and, and uh, Nebraska was taunting and saying stuff too I mean that's it's 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 a football game it happens uh, but you know they didn't call it on them but they called it on us type of thing you know just just you know deal with that but you, you just can't you got to be smart enough to understand the situation what's going on and you can't put your team in jeopardy and I feel I felt like there were several of those penalties that, that put Purdue in jeopardy just based on a careless attitude. Um, you know, there's different kind of penalties, the effort penalties and the ones that are just dumb. And Purdue had too many dumb penalties today that took them out of a position to win the game. I, I don't I don't think Purdue should have won this game, deserved to win this game, but that, that happens a lot. Uh, so... But the fact that that Mackey penalty basically eliminated Purdue's chances of winning this game because Nebraska went down and kicked a field goal to, to put the lead up to 10. But if you do stop them there, you know, it's going to be third and 21. They're not going to they're not going to have a high-risk play because they don't want to turn it over that deep. You're going to get the ball around midfield, and you're going to have an opportunity to tie the score, and you're going to put pressure on Nebraska to, to put together a drive. Now, the way Purdue's defense has been playing – they felt probably pretty confident that they could do that, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, say they were wrong. But that play right there kind of took Purdue out of any chance to to try to to try to win this game. But when your defense gives up five scores on five straight possessions to start the game, and the defense was put in a bad situation early by the block punt, and then the punt return, and then the flag uh, for sideline interference. Uh, I think Nebraska ran four plays and had 14 points, and Purdue is down 14 to nothing. And there's the defense as as much as you want to point the finger at them, and they deserve fingers pointed at them. You know the special teams did not help the defense today, put them in a bad spot, and uh, did not allow them to get off to a good start. And then it, it just snowballed from there, and and the defense really never straightened itself out. Uh, after getting down, um, so uh, again, a lot of a lot of people need to step up. But what you know, again, you know, Purdue's at the end of this thing. Um, you know, they've had their opportunity to to make something out of this season, and they didn't deliver. This was a this was a doable this was a uh, a doable schedule from the get go. You got Iowa early, which Purdue did beat. Yeah, at Illinois, which they won. You had Northwestern at home, although Northwestern was the better team. Um, and I'm not going to say they should have won the Minnesota game because they never led, and I've said that before, but they had a chance to win it. 
and if the call goes the other way, maybe maybe they do win it. Who knows? But you know, you make your own breaks, and then the Rutgers game it fell apart again, and then it fell apart even more uh, on Saturday, uh, where now Purdue's looking at. Uh, you know, I, I don't see a scenario next week how they beat Indiana, and then it just depends on the crossover uh, game. They could, you know, they could easily end this thing with a six-game losing streak uh, if, if they get to the crossover game which would be really um, probably a step backward backward for this program, even in this different year of COVID, different year, different situation. Um, you know, last year was the injuries, why they were 4-8, and eight, and it was. And this year, you can, you can spin it from a COVID perspective, but, and you've lost some key people along the way. George hasn't, George Karloff just hasn't played for a little bit. You didn't have Rondell the first three games, although... They haven't won a game with Rondell uh, in the lineup since last year when they beat Vanderbilt. And they have a losing record overall with him in the lineup. You'd much rather have him than not. But And then that, that was the other thing about today's game. I thought Nebraska did a great job on Bell and Moore, even though they gave up the big, the big play to uh, David Bell at the end. I mean, before that, as a combination, Bell and Moore were averaging like 5.5 yards a catch. You know that's that, that's not why they're on the field, and I you know and I thought that uh, Nebraska did a good job of tracking them and not allowing them to make big plays, and I thought that was key. I thought that was a big big part of the game, and you know they did not have explosive plays. You know if Rondell Moore is going to catch what he catch thirteen passes today maybe. Is it 13? I know it was double figures. I don't have the stats in front of me. But if he's going to catch that many passes, he's, he's, he's got to have some big plays in there. And he didn't. And I think that was a credit to to Nebraska's defense, the way they kind of tracked him. Um, and Purdue just could not get him any kind of open space to, to, to deliver a big play. And the same with David Bell. I mean, they did a good job just wrapping it up wrapping him up and being physical. And the two I mean the, the two have caught a lot of balls since they've been together, but um, there's only been a handful of explosive plays from them. I, I, you know I thought maybe there would be more, but um, it hasn't happened yet and time's running out for it to happen. But you know this is shaping up as as, as we get to the end of the season. Uh, really, a lot of uh, um, a lot of questions again are going to be asked, and we're not going to get many answers as far as what's going to happen. Um, and that's for another. That's probably for another podcast. But Purdue loses today, 37-27, four straight losses, the most under Jeff Brom uh, since he's been at Purdue. Indiana next week. Um, that's not probably going to be pretty, but uh, you know Purdue's got to figure it out. And I just, I just don't think right now this team is in a position uh, to figure it out. You know, I, I just think they're, they've had their chances. It didn't work, and now I just think they're looking at trying to get this thing. You know, go play Indiana, go play your crossover, and then, you know, you're going to have to hit the reset button for 2021 um, and try to get this thing. And that, and again for another podcast, 21. As of, as of right now, the 2021 season is shaping up 
as probably a defining year for Jeff Brom and what's going on right now with this program. I don't I don't think anybody would dispute you if you said, you know what, this program has taken a step back this year based on kind of what's happened on the field. Uh, and I think today kind of pushed it further in that direction. Uh, and now they've got to figure out a way to get some positive momentum going into 2021, uh, whether it be in the recruiting, whether it be um, who they're going to add in the offseason from a transfer perspective. And they will add players from a transfer perspective and who, what seniors are coming back. You know, this this will be 2021 will be year five for, for Brom. And, you know, and I think the results need to uh, start matching up. I will say this. I do think Jeff Brom is still good for Purdue. And I think Purdue is still good for Jeff Brom. I don't think there's another – there are coaches out there that would would fit, but I still believe that he fits Purdue, fits Purdue what it wants to do, what it wants its football program to be defined by, which is the quarterback, the offense. But there's a, there's a disconnect. There's a missing piece right now. Um what that piece is, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but there's something missing. There's something off kilter, either with Jeff or his staff or the way he communicates with players or something. Uh, but there's something not right, and it's showing up on the field. And whatever that is, I firmly believe that needs to get corrected and fixed. Uh, before they can really proceed and try to make something and try to push this thing forward and have what I believe it needs to be a really good season in 2021. And again, we'll save that for another podcast at another time. Anyway, appreciate you stopping by uh, after Purdue's lost, uh, lost uh, to Nebraska. Got basketball coming up on Tuesday, uh, Boulders at Miami of Florida in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, That's going to be similar to the Clemson game. So what has Purdue learned since the Clemson game and what can it do to handle, you know, that backcourt pressure that they're going to face and also some things that popped up against Valparaiso where Purdue's bigs were exposed and trying to defend the perimeter. Uh, So what kind of changes, what kind of adjustments are going to be made? This is a, to me, this is a big, big, big game for Purdue because they need, I think they need to play well against a Power 5 program as they get to the Big Ten season. And then after Tuesday, you've got Indiana State, and then you're jumping into the deep end really quickly with basketball because uh, you're going to open the Big Ten season. You're going to play Notre Dame in the crossroads. You're going to play Iowa. You're going to play Maryland. You're going to play Rutgers. You're going to play Illinois. And then you've got other Big Ten teams. But that's that stretch at the end of the month, end of the new year, that is really going to define – what this basketball team can do with this season. Uh, That's why I think Tuesday is really important, A, from a confidence standpoint, but B, to show that there's been progress made uh, from uh, uh, the guard standpoint. And there's a chance, outside chance, that they might get Eric Hunter back on Tuesday. So, you know, that's something to watch. I think that would be be a big boost for, for the team to get him back, another guard to handle some pressure. Uh, but if he doesn't play Tuesday, he might get a shot uh, on Saturday. But again, uh, we'll explore some of these topics as we get into the next week. Appreciate you stopping by. Questions, comments, concerns, you know how to reach me. 
and look forward to any any comments that you have. Have a good day. Thanks for stopping by.